episode of Vertello on Air. I'm Mike Stockton, coming to you from Gray, Frankfurt, on Main, Germany. And I'm Barash Rinzi, coming to you from sunny Karlsruhe, Germany. No way. Yeah, it is. It is. Really? <laughs> yeah. It's, there's, no, there's no clouds in the sky. It was wow. 16 degrees. So, um, yeah. Thank you for bringing back uh, good weather. Sadly, wow. not to you, but to me. <laughs> wow. Man, I looked at the forecast here. I think there's like one day of sun in the next 10 days, but it's all rain starting tomorrow. Uh, it's Yeah, I mean, I let me check quickly. But I think it's it's going to be the, pretty much the same here. Uh, so 11 degrees, 8, 7, 12, 8, 10. And as you said, starting tomorrow, rain and sun. Monday, rain and sun. And from Tuesday, it's just gray 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 for the next two weeks nice yeah well we um we started our flying back oh, yesterday we, we we flew uh my daughter and i flew back uh fort lauderdale to newark and uh we got off the plane in newark and it was like the same temperatures here which is around what do you say like 12 13 16 um, yeah 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 12 14 whatever yeah so 45 degrees or so in in u.s terms and right um, she's like, Ooh, it's cold. And I'm like, yeah, you're not in Florida anymore. And, uh, <laughs> Germany was the same, but get ready. Yeah. Yeah. It's not that bad though. I, I have to say it's not that bad. I mean, to be honest, <clears throat> I just, just talked to a friend next week, uh, when, um, we're planning on, on seeing each other is already mid January. Yeah. So uh, we already basically halfway through winter and I mean, towards the end of February, right? It, the weather gets better. I mean, March is clearly not the the nicest weather, but the days are longer and maybe it gets rainy, but I don't care if it rains so long as I see March on the calendar and not January and February. So we're we're on good track. This time last year I, I was at home with COVID. So yeah. compared to that, I'm absolutely better. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. And at least it's not like freezing cold like it was, I don't know, right before Christmas. So I'm, no, no. Uh, Oh yeah, that was that was that was harsh, I have to say. I enjoyed it, but that was harsh. Yeah. So what what, what bothers me now is that sometimes I'm wearing like a thin jacket, but I have the Canada goose hanging there as well, which is like for minus forty, right? <laughs> so when I went home for Christmas, I I was like I don't have like a like a intermediate kind of jacket i have the very heavy ones and I have the light ones and i was like maybe i shouldn't take a light jacket but they said that it's going to be kind of warm which it was so most of the time i've like you know i found myself walking around in this in the canada goose sweating just wearing a t-shirt and sweating but because it, it was so warm but yeah it's i mean it used to be boots and coats and then it used to be you know jackets and sneakers now it's kind of one week this the next week that yeah. Wow. Yeah, I'm with you. It's uh, you get some of the stuff, and honestly, you get some cool stuff for Christmas or whatever it is, and it's like, wait, <laughs> yeah, it's not cold enough to wear it. Right? What am I going to wear it? Yeah, yeah. Doing the the turtlenecks and the heat gear <laughs> next year. Yeah, or when you go skiing or whatever. True. Yeah. <laughs> At this time, I prepared a few a few notes, a few things because uh, I I expected you to be. Uh, I almost said hangover, but jet lagged. Uh, maybe hangover too, if it was a good flight. But definitely jet lagged and and tired. So um, I just I brought a few things with me. Um, let's call it the lifestyle section of uh, Fratello on Air. <laughs> I don't know if bring that's it. The, that's the way to put it. So um, number one, I um, 
Well, I I saw a uh, a comment on my Instagram actually um, about the um, just the other day um, about the the Stan Smith talk on the Spirit of Time podcast, which unfortunately I haven't been able to listen. Not yet, so I'm I'm curious what the Stan Smith talk going to be. I see they mentioned the Rothaus Tannenzapfel beer, and it, apparently it's uh, it's some exotic beer. We have it stocked in the fridge 24-7, 365 here in the office. So yeah, me, that's, uh, that's nothing special. I made that. I had to make that suggestion because yeah. uh, we got into a beer talk, and I was like, "Yeah, it's a good one." And they. I knew they went over to the U.S., uh, but I didn't know if they went to the West Coast. But it turns out they're there. So. Yeah, yeah. We we so I, I you've not been to the office yet, have you? Right? No. No, I've only picked you up there. Yeah, yeah. So when next time, if you're around, I'll, I'll take you in and I'll show you. We have a, a few fridges, and one of the fridges is, is basically well, we have a uh, well, we have a few anyways, and so there's there's beer in it as well for like after work. Uh, uh, drinks and and parties before COVID, we could do that. And there's some wine there, and there's some beer, and that's one of the beers um, that we always have. So for me, this is this is nothing uh, special. But to be honest, I'm also not the, I'm more more of a hell drinker, so uh, light beer, mm-hmm. hellas, uh, or as you know, and I think you also like the um, the um, hefe Weizen, so the the uh, the wheat beer. Uh, but yeah, so I'm, I have to listen to that. But that's not, uh, I, I haven't uh, done it yet. But the Stan Smith uh, uh, comment uh, reminded me that I uh, I now ordered the Stan Smith Lux, which is coming uh, probably next week. And um, the funny thing is they have four colors. And uh, the, the one that I, I wanted to order is the green one. Because they had one in this beautiful olive green. It's very similar to the original Stan Smith, but but it's a much deeper um, olive green. It obviously sold out. But uh, then they had it in black and they had it in like burgundy. So the heel tab is what I'm talking about. And I ordered the black one, black heel tab, white white sneakers. And they also have a, um, a blacked out version, which I think it's super ugly. But that's just me. So um, they, they, you said they have burgundy, right? So they have this burgundy kind of, or like it's this cool. bl- blood red, I should say, color. Yeah, it's, I don't know if it's, it's also like this eggshell white. So this kind uh, of. Yeah, yeah, uh, the, fl- the shoes are off white. Yeah, mm-hmm. that the was, shoes are off. Yeah. If they were white, that's what I would get. And the the sole is kind of like this, also this eggshell or this creamy white. So almost mm-hmm. like discolored. What is interesting uh, based on the pictures is inside, the inside sole is um, leather as well, where it used to be this foamy, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, that's old school. But... So and yeah, it's thicker leather. It says, and we'll see. I'll, I'll, I'm gonna do a, a podcast uh, uh, review, which is obviously the dumbest thing when it comes to sneakers, but it is what it is, my friends. Um, and but I ordered the black one. I had the black one, so the white with the black heel tab, and that's the one, the closest in terms of color. I think that's also like a shiny white. Um, but while I was uh, shopping for that, I saw that they also now offer a Stan Smith 80s watch, uh, shoe, sorry, uh, which is uh, 160 euros versus the Lux, which is 140 euros. Ooh. And it actually kind of looks like the one from the 80s. I know it because I have one from the 80s, the signed one, right? So it's very similar, uh, the silhouette in terms of um, 
um, the the toe box as well as the heel, the the color of the sole. So um, would be nice to get one and compare the two. But uh, I'm not going to spend 300 euros on two Stansmiths uh, unless Adidas wants to send me one, which is probably not going to happen. But mm. um, that's also pretty interesting. Um, it's tempting. I'm gonna have to go look at those. So it's like the '80s, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's the. Um, so mine is made in Morocco, which I think was the late or the mid '80s. That the first ones were. I I'm, I haven't done my research on that. I, I have. I mean, I have, but I don't remember anymore. The first ones were made in France, and then it was made in Morocco, and then eventually they moved on to the to the Far East. But um, yeah, so probably the silhouette is from like mid to late 80s and as i said it looks very similar to mine um to the ones that i have uh the nice. ones but we'll see if you want that 160 euros is the the 80s version speaking of of stan smith's by the way not only did it come on up on that podcast but when i visited mr eric wind and his uh assistant charlie dunn i was wearing my leather stan smith's balash and yeah nice they remarked they were like oh do you want to throw those in on the deal and uh <laughs> and i i referenced uh one of one of eric Wynn's other sayings one uh, to rock <laughs> one to stock yeah and, there you uh, go <laughs> and that's what we did yeah that's what we that's did what we, we did. bought one to rock yeah, and one to exactly. stock so I, I don't even know where my my stocked one to be honest i was just thinking about it the other day where 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 did i place it but yeah i mean it's it's a very rare commodity these days i i checked the the um adidas website the others and it, it's just as i said before i don't want to um sound like a broken record but it's kind of ridiculous how the first ever leather tennis shoe is now it's made leather. fake leather yeah and if you buy a leather one that's going to be a an upmark price. Shame on you, Adidas. But still, send me a pair so I can check it out. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, I'll I'll tell you next time. Maybe ne- by next week, uh, I'll be able to to wear it, uh, and I can show it to you. Nice. Yeah. Cool. And so that's that. And then uh, another thing. Um, so I don't know if you've watched the the Wire. I think you have, right? Back uh, Ooh, back was it almost first, about first season. Yeah, ten years ago when it came out. So it was. It's a, it's a, to me, it's one of the the best crime shows, and I watched a lot of crime shows um, that ever came out. And I just came across, I mean, I knew of this TV show before, but I was not really interested. And then I, I just happened to find myself um, a few days ago uh, on on these um, streaming platforms, and I came across this this show again. It's called BMF. Uh, it's um, I don't know if you know about this, but you lived in Detroit in the late nineties, was it? Uh, I moved there in mid January first, two thousand one. Okay, so early two thousand. <coughs> well, their reign was probably over by that time, but so it's the um, it's um, a very similar show to to the wire. Uh, it's obviously the wire is much, 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 much better, um, but it's also about this. Um, you know, guys coming up in the in the the drug game in the eighties and nineties. Uh, whereas the Wire was focusing on the detectives. Obviously, th- this show focuses on um, the people. It's based on a true story, and they were big. I think in the late eighties and nineties, and up until the early to mid two thousands, 
at which point they got arrested and, and sent to jail, whatever. But um, it's a it's a quite entertaining show nonetheless. So uh, um, BMF, BMF, yeah. Hmm? What's it on? A, I don't even know when I what I watch it on. It was on Stars, I think. So I have the streaming um, uh, service that streams stuff from the US. I'm not even not always sure which is it HBO or this and that. Um, I can send you the link from IMDb and you can have a look. Sure. Um, it's as I said, it's it's nothing like The Wire, but it's a it's a, it's, a, it's an entertaining and to me that's the closest. Okay. I could I could compare it to. Um, oh. So it's two seasons only. Uh, I think eight eight or nine episodes each each season. Okay. And the second season uh, came out. I mean, the first episode of the second season came out um, yesterday, and then thirteenth, twentieth of August, uh, January, twenty seventh, and goes on until the seventeenth of March. Oh, okay, so it's so. ongoing. Nice. Yeah, it is. It is. I think they had like a, like a halt in because of COVID. But I also read an article um, because the first season was like 2020, 21. But I also read an article about the movies coming out this year because you know now we're two to three years after the pandemic, so all the projects that were stopped and then resumed already now they're done and now they're they're slowly rolling That's out. Good. So there's going to be a lot of a lot of cool movies and TV shows this year. Because I. I will not lie, man. The last six months on airplanes, there's been virtually nothing to watch. It's been terrible. Oh, I know. Awful. Yeah. yeah, I know. I know. I know. It was like four movies and I've seen all of them whenever yeah. I was flying. So, yeah, I once I think uh, when I was going or coming back from Japan, I watched like the, the two Top Gun movies because I just couldn't remember the old one. And it was so cool to watch the old one and the new one back to back. That was fun. I think we talked about that afterwards. I think in one of my previous flights, I watched like, I think when I went to Miami, I watched like every um, Matrix movie, including the new one. And oh, wow. I cried super bad, super bad, in my opinion. <laughs> in my opinion. Um, I'll mention a couple things show-wise if you want. Yeah, go for it. Uh, so I finished while I was in Florida because uh, I was watching on HBO the uh, second season of White Lotus and mm-hmm. that is by no means a secret. It's kind of all the rage. And I recommend it. It's it's oddly compelling. It's just such a weird show. And But is it nice though? Because I, I, I it's on my list as well. I I think you should watch it. I think um mm-hmm. all all I would say is that you know they the first season takes place in Maui. The second one is in Sicily and they're both at white Lotus resorts and yeah. it just, <laughs> you know, you go to like, if, if you go to like a really fancy hotel and you see all these people from the outside looking in, you'd think they're all happy. They're all, mm. and, and the show kind of exposes the, the dark underbelly of all that. And also just how awful some people are. And, <laughs> So, you know, it's not necessarily the most uplifting show and mm-hmm. it can be a bit uncomfortable to watch. Uh, but I, but I think it's really well done and. They get some great cast. huh? Uh, oh yeah. yeah. Michael Imperioli and Tom Hollander and F. F. Murray Abram. Yeah. Well. Re- some... Really good cast, uh, both series and, uh, filming is, I, I think really well done. So yeah, that was, that was good. And then, um, 
What else? I thought there was something else I wanted to mention that I watched, but I'm not remembering it right now. So no, that's uh, that's mm. the thing I wanted to bring up. Yeah, it's it's on my list as well. I mean, I watched a, I think 1899, a Netflix show. Oh, super, the... super bad. Yeah, super awful. And it's uh, I think it's discontinued. I just read that they were super, because the I I mean, Isn't that a Yellowstone uh, pre- prequel or something. No, I, oh, I mean, this is the German. Um, no, eighteen ninety. I think it's like an international, but it's the, the the creators are Germans. Okay, but it's in English, and so it's um, the the season ends. The first season ends with like, um, spoiler alert again. Anybody who wants to watch it, please skip twenty thirty seconds. But the season ends that they are on this spaceship. I think. Ooh, okay. Or something, and but it the story took place in the nineteenth century, and so whatever, and then so you would expect the second season to be about that and explaining that, but then I just read that the, the creators just put out a tweet or a, an Instagram post that um, the story is now or the the project is or the, the the production whatever it's called is not canceled, so they're never gonna see a, a season two at least not in the near future. Okay. But um, yeah, it was one of the best shows on Netflix for weeks, and I I totally don't understand why. But so I downloaded the what is it the is it the Banshee or the Banshees of Innisfarin with uh, Colin Farrell and is it Brendan Gleeson? The um, hmm? I think this is up for a bunch of Golden Globes and Oscars. So I'm uh, not sure. Yeah, so I downloaded it. it it's getting a lot of really good reviews. So I'll, I'll watch it here in the next uh, week and let you know. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's, yeah, it's you I know, basically brings, brings back together the cast of uh, in Bruges, but as mm. different characters. So cool. Yeah. Um, what else you got? Yeah. And the last thing is, um, I mean, I'm, um, I'm not. I used to be when I was a child the the, the biggest Lego fan, and I'm not really anymore. But uh, just because I I don't want to put those things on the shelf to collect dust. But <laughs> I just came across some news which I think you'll like, and I'm gonna send you the link over in the chat in a minute. Uh, basically, it says that uh, Lego's innovative 2022 Ford GT model, featuring mm. a working V6 engine, is going to be released in March. So uh, it's actually pretty cool. It says uh, that it says a, a V6, a functioning V6 engine. Uh, the GT features independent suspension and all wheels and front axle steering. So it's uh, it's about um, 3.5 inches high, 15 inches long, and seven inches wide, which is quite a big car, right? Mm-hmm. And it's going to come out in March for 119.99 US dollars, 120 dollars. So. Okay. Um, it's, it's pretty cool. Um, I was uh, at home for Christmas, I said, and I met my nephew, and he has a few of those. He's six or seven, and he ha- he got like a like a Lamborghini Countach, and got the the black. Uh, help me out. Which car was it? The muscle car from Fast and the Furious that Vin Diesel oh, drove. Uh, uh, the du- Charger, Dodge Char- Charger, probably a Charger. Yeah, he had one of those. He got that for Christmas, and a bunch of other cars. And I have to say, the Countach was really nice. Like a like a eggshell white Countach. Oh, nice! And um, this GT, I, I I love the Ford GT, and uh, and I thought that that's a pretty cool, uh, pretty cool model. So 
maybe in March, uh, I'm going to hit Lego online and order one. Very nice. Hey, speaking of toys, you know, it, uh, I knew this was going on, but I it really hit home when my daughter got one for Christmas and she asked for it. But you're uh, your countryman. Um, well, oh. I think he's long departed. But the Rubik's Cube. Oh, yeah. Unbelievable, yeah, man. It It is just like... It is everywhere, and now they make all these variants, and she got like mm-hmm. a Rubik's Speed Cube, you know, because they have like these people online who can do them in like 10 seconds, you know? Yeah, yeah, or less, yeah. Or less, yeah. Uh, with, with the eyes uh, 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 covered. I, I got to watch this because I, I never spent enough time with one growing up, but I, I don't really know how to do it, so. I, th- I think there's like a, there's a, there's a, a bunch of YouTube videos explaining to you how to put it together and which color to focus on and what, I mean, this is super crazy when you see a kid looking at it for like three seconds, closing their eyes and just doing it. I mean, uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's only 78 years old. He's still alive. He's still, um. Oh, still, is he alive? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, oh, not, he's, okay. he's and cool. he's kind of, uh, young. I mean, he looks young for his age. He's always dressed. You know, I mean, he's obviously gets to mean to look young, um, mm-hmm. um, but he's not really in the public eye anymore. From time to time, you see it on TV or whatever. Where does but he live? I think probably in Budapest. I'm not sure. To be okay. honest, absolutely not sure. But I mean, I, I, I think that at one point I, I read or I saw an interview with him where he said like 70 or 60% or 70% of the Rubik's Cubes in the world are fake. <laughs> I believe it. Because <laughs> you can just, yeah. So the original one has this white side, and in the middle um, square it says Rubik's original. Blah, 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 blah. But he's done many of that stuff. You know, it was just the most important. But he did a lot of these puzzles and little little toys and stuff that kind of have to solve it and uh, to open it or whatever. But um, yeah, he's not really in the public eye anymore. But <laughs> but he's still very much alive, and he was. Uh, um also i think he he was teaching at the university and yeah i'm, <laughs> I'm not sure yeah Erne rubik yeah okay that's cool so she, oh, she got one did she did she solve it or, or oh no she's i think that's uh you know step two yeah it'll be uh one of the toys that she gets to here in the next week or two i guess after the uh gotcha. barbie fixation weighs wears off so <laughs> yeah Nice. nice. Yeah. So, shall we do some Handgelenkskontrolle uh, then? We should. Yeah. I, I let you go first. All right. So, I am wearing my faithful Rolex 1600 Datejust with the blue dial, and mm-hmm. 1600 being a smooth bezel. And the reason why I'm wearing it is because uh, while I was visiting Mr. Eric Wind, I bought a... Uh, Rolex 7836 bracelet, a folded bracelet, uh, oyster bracelet with uh, 258 end links. And I mm-hmm. had mentioned on this show that I wanted to pick up a uh, folded bracelet. And I had looked online at, you know, the usual places like eBay, and I did find some, but they were expensive and they were each like, had like two links on each side, but somehow were long enough to fit around a oak tree stump. So very stretched out. (laughs) 
So it's like and, a leather bracelet, looked like a leather bracelet yeah, without was, being one. <laughs> yeah, they were really bad. So uh, enter Mr. Wind, who uh, was nice enough to sell me a bracelet because I know uh, he he likes to keep those to to use with. Uh, you know, if he gets a watch that has a really stretched out bracelet or just a watch head. Uh, so he sold that uh, to me. And Did you get was, a friends and family price? I did get a friends and family price. So, nice. Um, you know, double the price. No, kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's how it is. <laughs> no, he he treated me fairly. And nice. by the way, it was really nice to visit him. Uh, it, was, it was a great visit. Um, always nice. And... Um, did you so, show him the, the soundbite? Oh yeah, I did. Um, <laughs> in fact, uh, I was trying on some watches and I think there was like, uh, I tried on a Piaget with a tiger eye dial and I think I played it right after that. So, and I got the characteristic Eric Wynn laugh. So <laughs> that was good. Um, nice. but yeah, so when I arrived this morning after kind of unpacking and sitting around a bit, uh, I've put myself in front of the TV and went about changing out the bracelet and you know, I'm, I'm digging it. So it definitely gives it a much more smooth sporty look and funny. I think between you and I sent a picture to RJ, uh, he was like, I think I prefer it on the Jubilee. And what did I say? Yeah. And I said, well, you know, I said, I'm going to keep it on the oyster for a while because this is kind of feeling new to me, but we'll see, you know, after the honeymoon period, where's, uh, what do I, what do I do? But you know, Mm. you, you never know because when you sold me that Jubilee bracelet for my 16750 GMT, Mm -hmm. I never took it off that. So, um, you never know. Yeah, it's uh, as I said before. I think the the oyster and the jubilee, they are exceptionally well made and super different bracelets. So they can totally transform the look of any. Well, not any Rolex because I wouldn't put a jubilee on a sub, but on a Datejust or a, or a GMT, it's uh, it, it's super interesting how different the watch looks with with the jubilee. Mind you, the the, the GMT that I have, the sixteen seven five. It it also um, one of the the oyster options was the seventy two o six and then mm-hmm. the other one was the seventy eight thirty six the one that you have with the two eighty end links and then it was the seventy eight three sixty etc and then the sixty two fifty one zero h jubilee which is what I have with the folded links so that's that that era basically and and I think uh, those jubilees and 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 also the oysters really I mean I I saw I just watched. Uh, or to check your pictures again that you sent me, and they really show two totally different watches. And it's yeah. amazing how the bracelet can change the look of, a, of an otherwise the same watch head, right? Yeah, no, you, you're absolutely right. When I put it on, I was like, "Wow, this is a this is now like really a jeans and a t-shirt watch." Where the other you you could as well, but this is really like, yeah, it looks much more like a well, just much sportier. Um, funnily enough, uh, 
the the reason I wanted to talk going back to the TV show about BMF is because I was watching the one of the episodes and the guy they they have the, so basically mm-hmm. they have to sell obviously dope and then he's he takes his watch off he takes his I think it's a day just and he says whoever sells the most will gets the Rolex and you can see everybody's hyped about it. like <laughs> mid, mid to late eighties and you know he's like he's like dangling this Rolex on a jubilee in, in front of their his his crew his people and they're like oh yeah I, I want that watch and it want to go and sell some uh, rocks funny. as they say yeah so get um, the day just so so one other thing because um i mentioned it on another podcast but the other thing i bought when i was with eric and i, I told you about it um uh, i bought a rolex precision a 34 mm. millimeter and i won't go into a lot of detail about it but it's a uh, 6426 reference and i'll leave it at that other than uh the watch when he was selling it was on a strap and I just asked, Hey, do you have any bracelets? And he said, yeah, I do. And so 19 millimeter lugs and he had, um, us made Jubilees, which are, um, were made by, um, what's it called? Um, Oh goodness. JB champion. Oh, JB champion. And, what was very interesting about the um, the Jubilee is that it's a 19, and I believe, I'll have to measure this, but I'm just holding it up to the uh, Datejust bracelet. It looks like it tapers down to 16, mm-hmm. um, maybe 15. But the um, Oyster bracelets that were fitted on those, which were generally riveted, um, were 19 and they went down to 13 balash. And I, I gotta say like, it really turned me off and this precision has a smooth bezel. So probably more correct would be oyster, Mm -hmm. but the, the 13 millimeter width of the clasp looked because it's still kind of a long clasp, like your typical snapping clasp. It looked, dare I say very feminine. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I couldn't do it. I mean, honestly, the, the Jubilee also makes the watch look larger. So I went with a Jubilee, but, uh, yeah, I found it really odd how back then 19 to 13, whereas, you know, if you take like a vintage Daytona, the 19 millimeters did not go down to 13. So it's just wild how they sort of, yeah, they, they, they differentiated based upon case size, I guess. Yeah, that's what I, I was about to ask. If that if that bracelet, that nineteen bracelet, is the same as the Daytona's, because I know the Daytona was also nineteen, right? So, but apparently then it's a different one. Maybe yeah. the endlings. So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, mm. I, just, I just thought that was odd with thirteen. But sure enough, I he pulled out another watch with a nineteen millimeter Oyster from nineteen sixty, and it went down to thirteen. Mm. So. Yeah, as I told you, uh, um, when I was when I was uh, in Hungary and I was picking up my watches, that the, my friend, the watchmaker, he had one with the with the Alpha hands, and uh, and then he said, yeah, it's it's actually smaller. It's thirty four, as you said, but it, it really wears like a day. Just and I was like, dude, get the out of this. Of course, it doesn't wear like the day. Just and I put it on, and I was like, yeah, yeah, it kind of does. It kind of does. It kind of does. does. It doesn't really, but it kind of does. So if you're happy with the day just, the precision, size-wise, I mean, the precision is a good choice. For me, who's, you know, the day just is on the 
the the smaller end of my preference when it comes to my wrist sides and stuff. For me, the precision really, really felt very small, but but almost actually really kind of almost like the day just but it was a, a hair too small for my for my taste but yeah it's actually a good alternative if you don't want the date of course and yeah. it's not much cheaper than the date just anymore now is it as it used to be i mean it's, i guess uh, it's still cheaper but not much yeah i mean i think it depends like you know if you get a decent one of these you're still under 3k and if you get a not so decent date just you're probably 3500 to 3700 right and oh, more yeah yeah or more four or five yeah yeah so i i still think there's a good differential um mm. all right fine i'll talk about it for a sec but the the things i noticed because w- when you talk about um size difference and i was wearing my day date so i was you know comparing and contrasting and then I put it next to a, a, a fifteen hundred a date model, mm-hmm. which is thirty four, and the date window makes it look smaller. The other thing is with this manual wind movement and the fact that it sits closer to the wrist, I think that makes it look larger than a taller watch. Actually, um, so there are a lot of things that I think visually add to uh, add to the mass of the watch, but it it's it's not like i think i told you it's roughly one millimeter smaller lug to lug than a yeah so it's, it's thinner basically but not shorter yeah not much shorter anyways and i think whereas most companies would have gone 18 on the lug width i think the fact that they yeah. went 19 definitely helped right totally and and i and i think it's also an interesting point which you don't really talk about too often is that certain watches even especially when they're smaller like for example as i said the day just is really on the smaller end when it comes to my 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 wrist size and preference but on a strap it feels i feel it i to me it looks ridiculously small but if i put the same day just on a bracelet and then on my wrist then it's like wow this is not too bad can live with that and that's my thing with with um I think the oyster as well, the precision. That if if you wear if you have it on a leather strap, it's kind of whatever. It could be too small, but when you put it on a bracelet and the bracelet is big enough for your wrist, then it it kind of feels more bulky because obviously the the metal case and the metal bracelet gives you this visual um look of a of one big uh construction rather than yeah, the leather kind of cuts. Yeah. Yeah. Now, did your friend have it on a bracelet or a strap? So my friend had it on the the bracelet, and and I had the um, I had a day just on the strap, which I think I also shot you an image. It was this linen dial, mm-hmm. linen Sigma dial um, day just, um, which is beautiful. I, I have to say, I really love linen dials and, and Sigma dial. I don't care too much about it because it's just a. Uh, yeah, it is what it is. I mean, it's the the white gold, right? The white gold indexes. That's mm-hmm. that's the sigma. But but the the linen uh, pattern is is absolutely absolutely beautiful. But it was on a leather strap, and it, and it kind of felt small on the leather strap compared to his even smaller precision, but on a bracelet. Yeah. And he had it was even the forties. I think the four, earlier version with the with the alpha hands because I think the uh, the earlier versions had the alpha hands, and then they went to the the stick hands like the day just right yep. later on. Yeah. Yep. Cool. So 
yeah. Well, what about you? What are you wearing? So, well, I guess uh, you know what I'm wearing. Um, and whoever is following me uh, probably also knows. Uh, they saw it. Um, was it Monday or Tuesday? Monday uh, was the day when I received my Grand Cycle. And I've been wearing that ever since. And I have to say, I'm absolutely super, super happy uh, with it and how it looks and how it feels. I know it's the it's the poor man's version, the SBGA 439 compared to the SBGA 375. But ask me if I give a <laughs> about it. Absolutely not. I think it's a it's a beautiful piece. It's very well made. Uh, feels quality through and through. Um, I only have a, a bone to pick with the bracelet because for the love of God, I cannot size it to my wrist. If I remove the half link, it's too small. If I put in the half link, it's, I feel it's too, too, um, too much loose. tangle. Yeah, a bit. It's going to change in the summer. I'm pretty sure. Um, and there's no micro adjustment on the case, um, case back, Jesus, on the, the clasp claps. <laughs> so, um, um, but yeah, but otherwise it's, it's it's really a super nice piece and uh, obviously very accurate as the the nine R sixty five caliber. I think it's fifteen seconds plus min, uh, plus minus pro month or uh, pro monat as they say in German, which is ridiculous. <laughs> One second per day. It's the yeah. uh, uh, the accuracy. Um, yeah, uh, super nice. I love the blue dial. It it looks black in. In most, um, yeah, that angles picture, sh- it's, yeah, that picture you shot me today, it looks black for sure. Totally, it looks really, it looks, uh, it's a, it's a pain in the back to, to photograph because everything just, just reflects. But uh, because of the dial, I think not because of the, of the sapphire crystal, yeah. But it now it's black, and I'm really curious how it will look and feel in the summer when there's more sunshine. I think it's going to look much more blue, like electric blue. What but is hey, the, what is the lug width? Twenty. Oh, okay. Twenty. And what what color yeah. what color strap do you have it on now? So like, I I I <laughs> this morning I changed it to the strap. It was a like a dark blue, but almost blackish, <laughs> uh, Val Alexander's uh, strap. But it was uh, I was thinking if I should yeah put on like a color matching blue strap or a black one, and I went with this. I think it's more black than blue. Actually, I'm not even sure if uh, if Alex uh, sent me the black one or the blue one, but uh, but it definitely works very well on the uh, the strap. I mean, you saw it. I, I sent you the pictures. So um, yeah, that's the that's the thing that I'm uh, the watch that I'm wearing today, and I'm 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 super happy with the with the result. And as I said, uh, if uh, if anyone is is not um, willing to, I mean, between the 375 and the 439 that I have, there's only 400 euros difference. So mm-hmm. if you want that, the, the nicer, uh, bracelet, um, or so they say, and, uh, I think the, the power reserve, um, scale is kind of pressed in on like embossed or carved out of the, of the dial on the 375, whereas it's printed on mine on the 439. Okay. Uh, mine only have the three link bracelet. The 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 three seven five has this three links, but the middle link has these side 
um, uh, yeah, yeah. decorations or whatever you want to call it. I actually like yours better, but I, I think mine is simpler, right? So uh, yeah. the case back is is a is a steel case back. I, I think maybe the nine the four thirty nine has an open case back. I am not sure. Okay. To be to be fair, um, it's a very simple watch, super elegant, and I mean that that the the, the, uh, the hands just take a loop and look at the hands. The Pretty polishing is amazing, right? Ridiculous. So it is ridiculous. I have a question. Did you are you winding it all the way up, or are you um, kind of winding it part way and wearing it and seeing if the power reserve just grows with uh, normal movement? Yeah, good question. It's it's funny because um, the the power reserve indicator. Many people said it works backwards, so it starts. At the at the what is this seven, six seven eight eight o'clock and goes t- towards the middle of the watch, but when it's down at the eight o'clock index, that's when it's full, and when it's towards the the center of the dial, that's when it's empty. Whereas it should be the other way around. I don't think so. I think it's it goes both ways. So I never really cared, but uh, I have some pictures when I removed it from the box and obviously it was empty. But now since I've been wearing it for the last or five days it's been it's been pretty much full every day so i i don't have to wind it um it's going to be interesting when i when i you know put it down for a few weeks and then pick it up but i usually i just i don't know you think i should unscrew the crown and and wind it manually or just shake it a few times and then that's it i mean you can just shake it i I'm just so. How, how many days is the power reserved? You know, I think it's uh, seventy. Uh, what was it? Seventy. So it's like three five days. hours or something. Yeah, like okay. like uh, three days or so. Seventy. Yeah. Uh, seventy-two hours. I would just get, days, yeah. get it going and be curious to see if your movement um, brings it to full after a day. You know, it's a good question. Yeah, I, maybe I, I let it. Uh, well, run down for the next few days and then and then put it on. I to be honest, when I picked it out of the box. I just set it and started wearing it instantly, and it 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 never stopped. So I think it takes uh, only a few minutes to to wind up enough that uh that it's you know that it's it, it's steady and it keeps the keeps the uh, um, the power. I mean, it's an it's an automatic movement, right? The the nine R sixty five, and it's mm-hmm. it's cool. But then you feel it sometimes when you move around or like you turn around, and you can you can feel the the weight. Turning, 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 just pretty cool. Because um, some people say it's just a fancy chords. Okay. <laughs> Good for you, but yeah. So no, it's it's really cool. I'm glad you're enjoying it Thank so you. far. I, I wish the bracelet were a little more accommodating. Um, yeah, but I guess, like you said, we'll we'll be out of winter soon, and uh, hopefully it hopefully it works out then. Um, and, and, and you and the, the the very cool thing, by the way, and just the last last sentence, then we can move on. Is that the the lugs are drilled? Mm, that is nice. So changing the strap and the bracelet is super easy. Oh, um, cool. Just yeah, it takes yeah literally five minutes. And by the way, I was right that the three seven five, so the the more luxurious version has an open case back, and and mine has the the steel case back. But yeah, okay. um, so. Curious. Um, so some of the, uh, you know, there's this Omega release coming on the 26 around the Speedmaster, and they keep showing the um, 
looks like the uh, the mainspring, yeah. Mm-hmm. And there are some people who have <laughs> have even thrown out that they're going to do something like a spring drive. Um, what are you What are you betting on? I don't know. A few people ask me what I think, and if I know anything, I don't. I really don't. Maybe you do, but I really don't. I don't. But at this but, point, no. But um, I, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, at this point, I'm just curious to see what they have in have in store for us this year. Um, but why would they do a spring drive? I mean, they could, but that's not going to be a professional. And when it comes to Speedmasters, I'm pretty much a professional snob, if you will. Yeah. Um, I don't really care too much for those ceramic automatics and this and that. Yeah, and I, I understand keep- them. I appreciate them, but. I keep thinking that um, the fact that it's not on a Tuesday means it's not going to be in in the wheelhouse of of the stuff that we traditionally follow, right? That's always a good indicator, isn't it? Which day is the release? If it's a Tuesday, then it's probably something professional related. If it's not, um, yeah. Yeah, we'll see. We uh, we have, what, two weeks? Three, well, yeah. Two and a half weeks. Three weeks left, yeah. Yeah. So cool. Mm-hmm. So, speaking of the Swatch Group, do you want to introduce our uh, one of our main topics? Yeah. So we obviously we uh, last week we talked about um, well many things, but mostly about Rolex prices, secondhand prices, um, certified pre-owned, and uh, it, it was quite uh, an interesting topic for both of us but not only for us i mean i i, I was uh <laughs> up until one point able to to read all the comments and then i was just lost because you had like close to 20 comments on it i mean including you mike you you replied to a few people but mm-hmm. it was just so many comments and so many people sharing their stories and thoughts and and we thought um maybe it's interesting to talk a bit about that because there were some news uh, that came out last week, this week, last week about Swatch Group and Rolex and other things, and and I thought, hey, why not, um, you know, revisit those topics? I mean, we're forty five minutes in already, so it's not we've we talked about everything but that, but um, yeah, but I I think it's it's quite quite um, quite an intriguing question, and that was this uh, the one thing that Mike is referring to is this article on Watch Pro. Where uh, which reads uh, Omega and Swatch Group rule out following Rolex into certified secondhand watches. And um, Mr. Hayek, um, there's a quote there from Mr. Hayek where he says, "Why should we mix uh, ourselves into the market of used watches? This is a market that is regulating themselves, and that's quite the opposite of what Rolex was doing. And now, if we look at the sales in general after Rolex." And probably production numbers after Rolex, there's Omega. So we see what we see or what we saw from Omega, what from Rolex. Now we see what Swatch Group and Omega is doing, and it, it could not be any more different. Yep. So that's the uh, that's the ground of the argument. Yeah, I, I think um, it doesn't surprise me. Um, let, let's be honest. I think there. Are, well, you know, Swatch Group could choose to do whatever they want, right? Uh, but the well, Rolex um, can too. 
Yeah, I, I think Rolex, you know, has such a grip on, yeah. uh, you know, their their dealers, their just everything. They, they've got a real grip. They're they're in a unique spot. I would say they and uh, Patek, right, probably are in in a very unique spot. But um, yeah, I, I I think also let's be honest here too. Aside from a few pieces, a lot of the Omega models sell at a discount to retail. Mm-hmm. So that would be a bit of a yeah, it wouldn't necessarily be the right thing to have a flock of barely used models sitting in there at a discount to new. I'm not sure that would really help, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it doesn't surprise me. And regardless of of whether they sell at a discount, I still think the Rolex thing is going to get really interesting here short term. And I think that when, when and if things do sell at a discount to retail uh, I, I said it last time, I think you'll see this program sort of wither away a little bit. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I don't think you'll see it grow to what it is, but Hey, I could be, I could be very wrong. Um, you know, it could also be a, a method for, you know, I, I know companies take watches in or, or ADs take watches in on trade and, you know, if they can mark them up a little bit more than they otherwise would by putting that stamp of approval on there, then maybe it's a little bit of extra margin for them. And, you know, there are some buyers out there who will respect that. Um, I don't know. I, I, but in any case, I mean, to kind of cap off the swatch group thing doesn't surprise me. Doesn't surprise me. Yeah, it's, I, I still think it's a bit of a money grab from Rolex, to be honest. And it's not the most, I mean, yes, you know, everything is relative and if you want to spend your money, then you can do it. But I can also voice my opinion and that's my opinion. I think it's, if Rolex spend as much time on regulating their dealers as they do on this project, because I'm sure that those watches are produced, and but I'm also sure that there's a lot of shady dealers and 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 you know other people pulling back those pieces because we talked about this as you said last time when you have 60 70 gmt just batmans on the market from 2022 uh just on chrono 24 then it goes to show that those watches are on the market and funnily enough a friend of mine just uh, got a um an explorer as well Uh, he walked into an ad and they had an explorer so this this is the same area in germany and now it's like the third one huh third one yeah wow so um you know, if if they spend as much energy and time and money, as I said, regulating and kind of trying to to solve this issue and creating this, again, smoke and mirrors allure for pre-owned watches, it would be better off. But that's just my opinion. It's funny what uh, what Mr. Hayek says in the, this um, article, uh, quotes of Bloomberg, where he says, the people who want to buy used watches, they can buy it as they buy many other things. They don't need us. Yeah very very different approach yeah no i i agree and yeah this uh, again that comment about how that that market regulates itself is no clearly not his is clearly not his focus right yeah no absolutely not and uh speaking of the market uh, there's also another article which says that rolex is gonna have yet another third uh, price increase in 2023. I mean, not third. They had two in 2022, and this is the third one in 
in about what 12 14 months but they say that the price increase is going to be around 2.5% which i still think it's it's ridiculous i'm sorry <laughs> i mean at this point i'm the more i read about this stuff and we you and i uh, off air talked about some other stuff um which we're not going to mention here but i told you this this just makes me sick to my stomach and make you know this makes me not buy these watches anymore talking yeah. about certain authorized dealers talking about c- certain models there is no no reason you have to really uh, uh, re- um um increase the prices three times in four, 14 months unless you just want to milk the people there's no chance there is no there is no don't tell me anything about you know i know it's a it's a it's an energy crisis and this and that, but three times, man. Yeah. Well, it, it's, it really feels like a, kind of a slap in the face, right? A product that most people can't buy anyway, or they put their name on a list um, two years ago. And by the time they get it, it's 20% more or whatever it is, you know, over two years. And, and I'm with you. Sorry to interrupt. It's absolutely correct. As the article says, uh, it has because it's a watch pro article, right? It has like uh, pounds since tw- so twenty twenty to twenty twenty three price rise on certain models is over twenty percent. <laughs> so let's say you, uh, uh, let's say a day just a forty one day just it's only eight percent cool, but uh, but a day date okay maybe not the day date because it's white gold whatever. Let's say a submarine no date um, the twelve forty sixty right. 22.2%. The Daytona, 19%. GMT, 16.1%. So in three years, they increased the prices an average of 20% on their steel popular sports models. Mind you, you don't get them in the stores anyways. But uh, yeah, it's... No, it's... 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 it's uh... It's crazy. Um, but look, the price increase thing isn't just Rolex, right? We were, um, we were talking and, you know, you look at like the, the 300, um, the 300 M right. The Mm -hmm. Omega it's over 6,000 now, which is still, a a great deal, but that watch I feel like was down around 5,000 not long ago. Right. Right. But and I and I'm totally with you. I mean, it's not the only company, sure, and let's not be biased. But um, six thousand is not ten thousand, and um, still the six thousand euro watch you can walk in and pretty much buy in every Omega yeah. authorized no, dealer. No, 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 that's it's true. A big difference. So um, I'm, I don't I don't want to sound like a Rolex hater because I'm not. We just praise their models and their bracelets for twenty minutes, and I and I am not, absolutely not. But I think what they're doing now is is a bit distasteful in my opinion, at least with these price increases and, and the fact that, you know, as I, as I said earlier, you, you walk into the, in, uh, into the Ginza Rolex store and the, the windows are empty. There's not even a display model <laughs> in the window. Yeah. And then you go in and then everybody, literally everybody was wearing a platinum or a white gold Daytona that was inside uh, customers. I mean, and the, the, the parking lot was like a, like a car show. <laughs> so clearly there are people buying stuff and and um so yeah I, i'm looking here um and granted they're different watches but y- you mentioned the submariner the what is it what is the uh 
4060 now? What it, what is the 124060? Um Submariner. Oh. You, you called it out a second ago. Anyhow. No, I talked about the Submariner. Yeah, exactly. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, the, uh, yeah, the 124060, yeah. Yeah. So the latest reference, yeah. I told you the other day 9150. I don't know if that's before or after the uh increase. That's in US dollars. But um yeah so uh, uh 8750 euros is the price the new price the 2023 january price in yeah. euros so anyhow 52 percent in 11 years it's pretty yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy yeah it's, it is it's crazy and you know i i won't uh share too much um but he he mentioned it on his podcast but yeah eric said the number of people who are emailing on a daily basis trying to get out of modern rolex right now trying to sell and trying to trade um for vintage is insane and um Hmm. crazy the other thing for why What, what do you think why is there people who bought as an investment and too expensive huh? yeah they bought as an investment or paid way over um mm-hmm. you know on the secondary and then they kind of looped it in with every other type of watch thinking it would just keep going up and even uh even gave an example of somebody who bought uh recently a precious metal sports model and i think was inquiring about what it was worth and it's worth you know 15 15% below retail right now so those have gone they're selling at a discount now so and, and he probably didn't buy it for retail either. no he he did he bought it for retail okay. and um yeah it was just kind of reading about you know the the market and then asked and got his uh <laughs> Got got the stark truth that yes, in fact, the market was going down, and even further for things like two tone and uh, and precious metals. So yeah, mm-hmm. we're we're firmly back where where we used to be in that sense, where that type of stuff is not the the mainstream things that or thing that people are looking for. So hmm. it's not 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 the uh, halcyon days of April twenty twenty two where it's like. Sure, I'll take that platinum day date, no problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Those days are over. Yeah. So uh you wanna talk bring about in the next one topic? Other? Talk talking about shady business models. <laughs> so yeah, there's been a lot of talk um through the I guess the through the, the grapevine. <laughs> yeah, different, you know, whether it's forums, whether it's Instagram, whether it's uh different chat rooms and everything about the uh, article that I think came out on the 31st of December on uh, periscope.com from uh, Jose on the, uh, the so-called unicorn, which was the white gold Daytona sold a couple years back at Phillips for 6 million Swiss francs by, uh, well, by Phillips and was owned by uh, Goldberger mm-hmm. and, the watch was also featured on a Talking Watches episode of Hodinki. And Jose goes on to um, explain a number of different things about the watch and, and basically how it it uh, 
sort of morphed over time and and comparing some of the parts to real parts from the time and basically has ascertained that things like the bezel and the pushers are aftermarket or fabricated. Um, the dial is not correct. And uh, yeah, and, and then goes on to talk about how you know, when questions were asked directly to the owner about the watch and, and where it came from, there was some silence. And look, I'm I'm I don't want to go too deeply into the article. I, I gave a summary. You can you can read it. It's an interesting read. Um, most of what he 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 writes is pretty interesting. Um, but it it just strikes me as such a weird world. And I know it's not just left to watches, it's cars, paintings, and other things that people buy um, on auction. But, you know, for 6 million, um, Mm -hmm. if if, I I don't know what number it has to be, if it's 50,000, a hundred thousand, it depends on your, uh, on, on your personal number it just seems so strange to me that somebody would go and spend that kind of money without really doing a massive amount of due diligence or, you know, asking the questions um, and, and getting good answers. And for all we know, you know, whoever bought this watch may have been satisfied or may just be swimming in so much money that they don't care. I don't know. Uh, to me, 6 million, no matter whether you've got a billion or whether you've got a hundred million feels like, you know, you probably work to get that money, um, or you're a pretty smart person (laughs) or, okay. You could have inherited it well, but still nobody likes being taken advantage of, right. It's still 6 million. Right. But I'm guessing the people who inherit that much money, they're not buying, you know, unicorn vintage Daytonas because they probably blow it on Ferraris and Richard Mills and whatever. It's, it's, I think it's hard to, it's definitely possible, but you know, I just inherited a ton of money and I'm such a connoisseur that I'm going to go and buy a vintage Daytona and I'm going to, you know, and the Basquiat and the whatever. It's usually not how it goes with those people. I think. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just find it. Um, I just find it interesting that, um, yeah, people wouldn't ask the right questions, but again, we don't know. Maybe whoever bought it is, is, peachy keen with it, but it was a, an interesting article and it was, um, you know, it, it brought in some pretty well-known players in the, uh, and call it the hobby, uh, at 6 million, it's more of an industry, but, um, (laughs) you know, you've got the, one of the leading auction houses, you've got, uh, Hodinkee thrown in there. You've got, uh, a very well-known collector and expert in the vintage watch field. So I, I, I found it really interesting. I read a comment somewhere that has two things the the industry doesn't talk about these days. One is the uh, the Qatar World Cup and Hublot's connection, and the other one is this auction. <laughs> <laughs> these these two are the, the persona non grata topics of uh, the watch industry, and I guess for a reason. And uh, I mean, I agree uh, without being too political about not really pushing this Qatar topic too much. Uh, we all know why. But that's a, that's a totally different discussion on its own. Um, and look, um, I don't really know the guy. Well, I absolutely don't know the guy. Uh, obviously, I know of him and I read some of his articles. I don't know him. 
I don't know what his drive is. I don't know why he does what he does. I know he's um, considered or he considers himself an expert in, in certain models and certain brands, not only Rolex. Um, I don't know those brands too deep, that deep, that I can judge that his expertise is is enough or not. Um, and I'm also not an expert on vintage Rolex. So that's that. That's my that's my uh, fine print, right? But what I do know is that if everything what he says in the article is true, in terms of the case, I mean the um, the pushers and stuff being you know redone and and that the dial being exchanged and things like that and the uh, the watch not being serviced and blah 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 blah, then there's a lot of questions. And I think he also mentioned it in the article that he had some questions and certain parties were. Um, declining to answer those questions. Now, if everything is fine and everything is hunky-dory, why don't you answer those questions? Mm-hmm. Right? Um, well, you can say you're not a um, a media outlet that I want to deal with. Fine. And let's be honest, uh, other than his blog and other than a few, as you said, forums and this, that, picking up, it really has not created a huge wave in the industry. But um, while well, we can think about why this wave was never created, was it because what he says is, is silly or whether they're because people don't care or whether because it's not a, in their interest to do that? I leave this to everybody to decide, um, every listener to decide what they think. Um, again, judging by the pictures and what I read, in the article, I tend to believe that what he says about those parts and stuff being exchanged blah, 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 is true. Now, then comes the question, as you said, if it's not 100% uh, uh, kosher, why would someone play, pay $6 million? Well, the question is, if they paid $6 million, and who paid the $6 million? Was it a private person? Was it a company? Was it a private collector was it to uh, you know to move money around i don't know i'm i'm really again not an expert on auction international watch auction houses but we all heard those i mean well you yourself even wrote an article i think about um some of the or at least we talked about some of the watches in a previous auction by a previous auction house i think not being 100 percent correct right mm-hmm. so they they do make these mistakes i mean there's people working at these auction houses and those experts, I, I really don't don't uh, want to you know have their jobs because they have to be just like Eric was right. You have to know your your game, and uh, you cannot be a jack of all trades when it comes to watches. But that's what is expected um, from you as an expert at those auction houses. Now, granted, that's the average procedure when it when you have a high profile watch like this. <laughs> I'm sure they bring in the big guns, but uh. yeah. What <clears throat> what strikes me as odd about this one, though, is that I don't know why. Just go ahead and declare um, if things were fabricated. So be it. Um, yeah. Because still, if if the case is real, and all all signs point to it being correct, um, mm-hmm. it's it's apparently or at least up to this point the only one out there and whether right. it has some other things added to it it's still a really unique piece and right. yeah that's a good point you know like if you had a one of one 
Ferrari that was made yeah. and it was crashed up and then completely rebuilt. Um, it's mm-hmm. still the only one out there, right? And I mean, at, yeah, at that point, you just have to just declare it, right? Yeah, and you just have to know if if it's a four four million dollar Ferrari or ten million dollar Ferrari, right? It's still it's still a unicorn, and I think that's the same thing. If if you want to sell just a normal Daytona and the the bezel is is an aftermarket, obviously it's gonna you know fetch less money than the average Daytona in auction, and that's fine. But it's we're not talking about that. We're talking about a one of one. So at this point, the question is. Whether with the fabricated parts, the watch is going to fetch five million, ten million, or fifty million. Hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, it, I get, I, does, it doesn't shine the best of light on on these people. I think, yeah, yeah. In, mentioned in the article, whether and 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 they can they can come out and say, you know, to to, to can protect themselves and they can say, this guy is not credible. I'm, I'm not going to reply to his comments. Cool, but you, you don't look good and and. I mean, and even I think even he says that in the article that at one point they started to talk about stuff when it when it when it came out, anyways. So it's um, yeah. Um, it'll not be my cup of tea. It'll, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it affects future auctions, if at all. Um, I think provenance has always been a challenging thing in the watch area. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's. Uh, terms like new old stock terms like one owner things like this it's you know it's uh, cars are are relatively easier to track you know with registrations and things like that um but watches it's pretty tough isn't it yeah but with cars is always the the you know there's always a joke of the first owner lady owner non-smoker Oh yeah, uh, sure. Oh, every, <laughs> every single area has its own. Uh, yeah. Let's call it embellishments and um, yeah. yeah, euphemisms and all this good stuff. But <clears throat> I think with watches, look the the very watches that. Um, well, the fact that you can change dials and and all this good stuff, and who would be the wiser, right? I mean that this is where if you do look at some of what. Jose does, and there are a few others out here who do that too. They show auctions and they, they're able to track back the case number, or the dial, mm. and they can show things from 10 years ago and how something was swapped. Mm. And and that's the the kind of sort of call it archaeological work that that a few people do. But aside from that, you're, yeah, you're kind of you, you really don't know. Yeah, but it's silly because the internet doesn't forget. So I think these people, the only reason is just because they're in love with themselves and they want to be the, the coolest cats in the in the hobby and everything they say is, and they touch, you know, turns into gold. But it, it doesn't, or gold burger in this case, sorry for the pun. But, uh, you know, it's just not the case. But what really bothers me, to be honest, and the article kind of mentions that, and it, it doesn't really talk, well, there's not much to say, Um it's kind of a it's a judge of character when you have to advertise something as like a charity auction mm. and then you don't disclose how much money you spend or how much money of that is then given to charity right i mean uh i think that's again i have not followed this auction but i think uh uh just dude either don't say it's going to be a charity or if it is 
just mention how much money you disclose and just meant yeah otherwise it's you know it's it's a it's a very shady thing to collect money it's it's almost like going to the to the to the walmart parking lot and collecting money for for i don't know (laughs) children's hospital and then pocketing the money yeah what's the difference happens all the time (laughs) which happens all the time what's the difference between those guys and the, the and the guys in the fancy suit sitting in Geneva and doing the exact same thing, but instead of collecting twenty dollars, they are collecting hundreds of thousands. And maybe they maybe they 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 spent uh, or or uh, gave the money to charity. I don't know. But if you did, just disclose it because otherwise, it it again, it's it's the judge of character, I think, and it's not a good not a good view on you, my friend. No, and I think all of us, right. Um, you're you're probably much better than I am, but it you know we see a watch, we see something we like, and you get caught up in it, and sometimes you kind of will it or wish it to be something that it isn't, and you know walk away. Or when you ask the questions and you don't get the answers, just walk away. It can yep. be really hard to do that. You think, oh, I'll never find another one, and I think the longer I've been doing this the more i know you will find another one yeah you, you oh, yeah. will you oh, will yeah. it will come and or again, you'll find if, something else you like better whatever totally yeah and, and and again it's it's a unicorn watch so it's not like you want to get the market price of a daytona that is that doesn't have market uh, or or does have aftermarket parts you know we're mm-hmm. talking about a, a unicorn watch which doesn't have a price tag it's like it's like a Rembrandt. How much mm-hmm. is a Rembrandt? Yeah, you know the ballpark, but you don't exactly know mm-hmm. uh, unless uh, uh, it's a very specific painting or whatever. So at this point, I think it's just um, it's not a it's not the type of business deal that I would be involved in. Thank God I'm I don't have the means to be involved in cases like this and shady business and stuff, but. But even if I did, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do that. There's, yeah. There's no need. Uh, the only only person you're gonna hurt with this is, amongst other people, is yourself and your reputation. Maybe that's not the best to do. But hey, that's just my private opinion. Yeah. Well, with that, yeah, caveat emptor, as they say. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I think we're. Uh, what at about an hour and fifteen now, so I don't know. Got any yeah, other cool. other topics you want to bring up today? No, I think it's. I think we've we've covered quite a lot of different uh, different topics again. Uh, maybe next week we can come back with some uh, some happier. <laughs> not well, not that I'm sad or annoyed. It's just yeah, it is what it is. But this this hobby offers us so much more and and uh, so many cool things that we should talk about. So. Um, I hope next week we'll come back with uh, with another topic. But um, hey, I think it's important to talk about these things, and and uh, I hope that you guys listening this don't mind. Uh, and if you do, you know where to find us on Instagram and on uh, on Fratello. You can send us an email and tell us to stop talking about that stuff and <laughs> and talk about vintage cycles and citizens. And uh, hey, I have a few in front of me, as you know. Um, hopefully, I'll <laughs> see you next week, and we can chat about those. Um, or anything else. I'm, I'm sure as we get close to next weekend and you, you see how much time you have and we might be able to come up with a theme and I'll bring some watches over hopefully and then we can, I mean, some of mine and then we can we can chat about those a bit. 
Sounds good, buddy. Perfect. All right, Balash. Well, have a great rest of the weekend and you too. Uh, look forward to seeing you this coming week. Absolutely. Enjoy your weekend. All right. Well, with that, Mike is out. Balash is out. Mm-hmm.